Hello, welcome to Stardust Records, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Linz, and I'm with my co-host, Savi. Hello, Savi. Hello, Linz. How have you been? I've been pretty good, pretty good. It's been sunny recently. The winter is finally starting to melt away, so it's bringing with it sunshine and happiness. Oh my gosh. As, as the sun does. I know. I It was 64 degrees Fahrenheit. Forgive me, I don't know that oh. in Celsius, but it was so magical. I just sat outside for a little bit and I was like, can it be like this all the time? But then in the summer when it's hot, I'm going to be like, can we go back to snow and chilly weather? The cycle never ends. I know. It's a vicious but, one. But the, this these in-between times when it's not so hot and not too cold, we must treasure those. <laughs> I know. I If I can still sleep with my heated blanket on, then it's a perfect temperature, in my opinion. <laughs> no, same, same. I like opening my window and it's nice and cool, but not too cold. I know. I can't believe we started this podcast with a weather forecast. <laughs> it's fine. Well, we could talk about the forecast for next week, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, Star Wars celebration, which is crazy. I remember Anaheim was literally three minutes ago, and now we're in London. And then it'll be a, I mean, a year will go by, and then it'll be the next location and the next Star Wars celebration, and the cycle will continue. We'll never get crossing, a break. <laughs> crossing our crossing our fingers for Seattle. That'd be great. I know. I am really hoping that Emerald City Comic Con was very recent we both went in March and they just opened up that huge convention center and it's like what five floors in a basement or is that including the basement I think it's five floors in a basement which is perfect and that's and it has like all of those stages the only thing is is that doesn't have like a huge stage like a theater does it 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 did it did we did not go in I remember looking in to see it and maybe it's not as big as like Anaheim but there did seem to be a pretty big stage like 4,500 people stage oh I don't know about that yeah it was a pretty big room that's the type of state because I think that's XL's stage I think 4,500 yeah I don't know man I don't know (laughs) We need a football stadium so everybody can get into the lottery. (laughs) I don't know. It'd be cool if they, like, converted one of the big rooms for the stage because they have those huge floors so they could convert a whole floor. I don't know. Just to that. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't go into all the different theater halls upstairs in Emerald City Comic Con, so maybe there's something we're not seeing but it would be really cool if they came to Seattle it would be cool and I know that Star Wars Celebration does follow Emerald City Comic Con on Twitter which probably means nothing but when you're we're choosing to live exactly we're choosing to live in our delusions which is a fun place to live exactly it is I don't think I've ever (laughs) looked at Star Wars logically (laughs) just purely in delusion but uh well I know we talked about it last week a little bit but it's 
this is a cool announcement, I guess, but not I guess. Sorry, Ethan. So Ethan Sachs is joining us on our Celebrating the Legacy of Solo panel at Star Wars Celebration, which is so cool. Um, if you don't know Ethan, he is responsible for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, Star Wars Rise of, Sky Rise of the Skywalker Allegiance, and Star Wars Bounty Hunters. He writes some other uh, pieces of media that I am not entirely aware of, but he uh, has a lot of experience with Star Wars in that specific area. And I haven't quite, I started Bounty Hunters, but I never finished it, but I would really like to finish it before the panel because it is really exciting that we are getting Ethan and I'm in a group chat with him and Hayden and Liv from Kessel Run Relay. And I, it's called Alden Ho Renreich. <laughs> <laughs> so do what you will with that information but that panel is at 3 p.m london time which is 9 a.m i think don't take don't take that <laughs> okay it's 9 a.m pst i'm pretty sure last time i did the math which is 3 p.m <laughs> in london I'm going to try and record it. I heard that somebody might be recording it slash live streaming it. But if that's neither, I will hopefully be able to record that. So you guys can listen. But 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Yeah, it would be so much fun if it was live streamed and you guys can all listen and then we can talk about it. But join us at the fan stage with Ethan and everybody else. And we're so excited. And there's going to be so much stuff announced. We don't have to go through them all over again. I know we've done that a few of other episodes, but. Yeah, we're just so hyped for it. Mm -hmm. And then it's officially less than a month at the time of this recording till Jedi Survivor. We're very excited about that. Our last episode released earlier this week, we reviewed the trailer. So we'll prob we probably won't review the actual game until the actual until we play it yeah so. I'm sure we're going to be mentioning it obviously a couple times until that point I'm sure we'll have a couple episodes out between now and then and I think we're probably going to get more information at celebration I know that and this might not mean too much but the Star Wars live stage which goes on during celebration is supposedly put on by Jedi Survivor EA so or respawn so I'm assuming that during the live events that we might get more snippets trailers news something about survivor i know that they're going really all in on the marketing for this there was they've been playing the trailer before like big movies in the movie theater mm -hmm. um there's yeah. been i saw it in a commercial huge yeah huge yeah banners in the cities there's been I know that I looked over at my husband who was scrolling Instagram and he has been getting the trailer on there if he's just scrolling so they're mm -hmm. really putting in effort a lot of effort for the marketing and I'm so hyped for that it makes me feel like this is going to be really really big mm -hmm. this week we have a very special guest joining us to discuss chapter 21 
21 of the Mandalorian. Yes. And the entire season of the Bad Batch. We, (laughs) because I haven't watched the season as it's been coming out, I've had to binge it. So we thought we'd talk about it with the number one clone Stan. MJ. Bad Batch Stan. (laughs) Bad Batch. I love her tweets. They're so funny. And like, I didn't understand any of them because I didn't watch this season, but I still had a giggle because it's MJ. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm actually really excited to have her on. Hello, MJ. Welcome to Stardust Records. You should. Howdy. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where can we find you and how does the Star Wars community know you? And Oh, God. That's a (laughs) question. I'm MJ. My pronouns are she, her, and my handle on everything is Chimera underscore chat. I'm a big throng girly. (laughs) Um, What do you know me for? I do a bunch of things. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Spotify. Only real ones now. So <laughs> you can find me everywhere. Your your playlists, right? Yes. Okay. I was like, wait, I know what she's referring to. <laughs> They're legends. Legends in the community. We'll have to have you on for like a Thrawn 101 episode one day because I know nothing Ooh. about Thrawn and um, I'd like good to. Friends. Good friends with Timmy Z, so... <laughs> I would love to be on that. For this episode, we are discussing, is it chapter 21 of The Mandalorian? Yes. Okay, chapter 21. I'm going by chapter. I know people have been like, season three, episode five, or something like that. But I like the chapter aspect. <laughs> Let's stick with it. And I didn't finish it, but I know what happens. But we had MJ on, so we had to talk about it. We were going to talk about Bad Batch season two. I got as far as I could possibly get into it, but... Uh, this won't be a spoiler-free episode. We will talk about what happened, which broke the internet. Both shows broke the internet on the same night. We'll start with you, MJ. We'll just kind of break it, or we'll start it off getting the elephant in the room mentioned. Is that the same? Alyssat in the room. Yes, Alyssat in the room. <laughs> what did you think of the cameo? Oh my gosh. So this was actually the first Mando episode that I didn't watch the day of release because I was coping with Bad Batch. Um, So I actually, unfortunately, had it spoiled for me. And I was worried that it was just going to like not fit in and just be like clunky. It was perfect. Like it was just a little treat. It wasn't over the top and he wasn't scary, which like I was so thankful that it was still it still felt like rebel zeb even though it obviously wasn't i feel like because it was steve i first saw him it like didn't exactly click until i heard steve's voice and he has such a recognizable voice because of obviously from doing zeb and all of the other stuff that he's done like toonami and other things but i was like no this feels like they pluck zeb out of rebels and they put him in mando and it did fit perfectly Well, I saw someone make a really good point. Well, first of all, I was ecstatic. I did not expect it, and I couldn't be more happy with how it was done. But I saw someone make this really good point that if we had just had Rebel Zeb and then gone straight to live action Zeb, that people probably would have been a lot more jarred by his appearance if we hadn't had Jero to Paul in 
Jedi Fallen Order. If we hadn't seen that kind of in between, more mm. more of a live action look than the Rebels animation. Yeah. So I really think that that might have, might have um, helped some people if they are familiar. Like we are have already had sort of a a live action look, and to see that that live act or that look in Jedi Fallen Order carried over into live action like you can see they're not really different from each other they're really similar i really appreciated that coherency in his appearance there um so but i think he looked amazing and i'm so excited to see hopefully i'm assuming we're gonna see more of him in the upcoming shows i would assume ahsoka so i'm so excited I like that you mentioned Ahsoka because the director of this episode, Peter Ramsey, is actually one of the directors for Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if this was like a little test run for him. Yeah, I, I was thinking that too. I was like, okay, well, Peter's doing Ahsoka, so it's and Zeb's in it. So I and oh, and Sabine will be. I'm getting more and more excited for Ahsoka every day. Like there was some stuff that was released today about characters lightsabers and the antagonist that we could get in Ahsoka and it's a former Jedi that survived or so very like Terran Malakosi. I was so excited. I and then seeing Zeb made Ahsoka feel more real to show. And I don't know if we see Zeb there, but for like longer than the 29 seconds that we got him in Mando, I'll, we probably won't survive. <laughs> no, I, I also wanted to bring up the, the fact that he's a pilot and somebody said that, well, I know that you Savi, I saw you mentioned earlier on Twitter that you thought he'd make a good U-wing pilot. And I think that would be really cool. Um, and then I saw somebody else say that they thought that the U, U, not the U-Wing, the Y-Wing coming in to Adelphi uh, was Zeb at the beginning of that shot oh. when they're panning in is the U-Wings coming in. Somebody thought that that could have been Zeb arriving at the base and that's why you don't see him immediately in the cantina or whatever. So I thought that was interesting. But like, why is he, like, how did he end up being a pilot? Why is he not on Lyrison with Callus? Like, <laughs> what's happening? The question hanging so above I... all of our heads. <laughs> We're like, not with where is he? My theory that I'm sticking to is that Callus is on babysitting duty with Jason. Like, we I know that. that crazy <laughs> child cannot be left alone. So that's the story I'm sticking to it. I love that too. And he's keeping an eye on the melons that are probably about to, uh, be harvested he was like Zeb I, I I I can't go save the galaxy again like I have melons <laughs> and a baby to look after he's like so <laughs> domestic now he's like, like the yeah. tops have grown out the hair has grown out I've entered my I'm out of my villain era like y- you you can you can be the hero <laughs> I'm p- like picturing him in like the bucket hat of like cut Quain and like all the farming characters yes farming <laughs> yes. really man of your talents (laughs) that would totally be sad i have this headcanon that callus becomes a teacher on lyrason so he teaches like the little kiddos little baby lazats i guess the history of lyrason and like lazan so i'm just imagining like zeb coming home from his new republic missions and catching up (laughs) so domestic and soft (laughs) it's so beautiful (laughs) I want that to be true. 
mm-hmm. too happy for Star Wars. I know. They had to throw Zeb back into battle. They had to. They had to separate him from his husband. I like how we say husband. Like, we're so sure they're married. <laughs> hey, hey, Steve has basically confirmed over the years that, like, that is his truth. So if it's his truth, it's my truth. So true. It's up to the actor. I was so focused on Zeb that I, like the rest of the episode, I was forgetting what was happening. So I did have to rewatch because my brain was just on Zeb. But I thought that this episode moved its way to my number one so far. It was definitely my favorite of the season so far. I love how fast paced it was. And I love the way it moved between storylines similarly to Andor it had a bunch going on but it didn't feel um choppy it just it flowed nicely and it was fast-paced and um I don't know if the action was like really stand out for me in, in this one in particular yeah I agree to, for me too that was the case I really loved how um we had this like air battle and this ground battle and they were done really well. It just made sense. Like everything about their plan made sense. And I know that like nothing has to make complete sense in, you know, science fiction and everything like whatever, but it just was really fun to watch visually the plan with the armor coming in behind the gunner to take him out so that they could clear the path like through the city. I loved Gory and Shard's Corsair we saw it before but to see it doing more things uh in this battle was really cool I love how pirate ship it was you know at the end when you see Gorian come up to the wheel and he's like turning the wheel I was like it's a pirate it really is a pirate ship I adored that and I loved being able to see the Mandalorians in action in a in a capacity well basically like Bo-Katan was saying like they could be heroes and we got to see them like that and yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that, especially. What about you, Savi? It reminded me a lot of the Clone Wars. I feel maybe, maybe I'll, I'm going to butcher this, but I don't know. But it did feel a lot like when it's funny. It was almost like the roles were reversed when Bo requested Ahsoka's help. She, like she was the one. She was the one being called to action. So I also just love seeing Bo's leadership skills in this aspect as well. She is a leader. Like, there's no doubt about it. So I just love that she's come into this covert and they've kind of, like, accepted her as that for what she is. And she's delivering every time on, like, the leadership aspect, just leading these war parties. She has the ship. So it's just, I know that it's the Mandalorian, like, it's didn't show. But it's not just in show. It's it's the Mandalorians. And we're seeing the, like, familial aspect of it. And I feel like we really haven't seen the, like, battle aspect, I guess. Like, them working together. Not since season one. Mm. So it's been nice seeing them working together for a greater cause. I don't know. It's like this own little happy, rebellious family. And, and Bo's a part of it. So I, I have to stand. I like that you mentioned how we haven't seen it since season one because that battle was on Navarro just like today so it it kind of parallels nicely 
Yes, I, I, I loved that. I won't lie. I was, I'm sure a lot of people can relate when I say I was nervous about Bo-Katan, such a beloved and developed character across the course of the animated series, both Clone Wars and Rebels being brought into live action. But I feel like today or yesterday's episode specifically really felt con- more consistent than what we've seen in the past a little bit. Like I'm I'm really starting to trust that she is going to finally get that leadership position that she was destined for that fits in her character. I'm very glad to see that as well. Yeah, me too. I That just kind of leads me to the end of the episode where the armor was requesting to see her and she basically makes the point that like, we're all Mandalorians and I know that not all of us follow the way and I know that you didn't, but you've proved yourself and you've proved, you've basically she's like saying you've earned my respect and we can't, you know, it's time that Mandalore is whole again and it can't be whole unless we're together. And so even if there's Mandalorians that don't follow the way, it doesn't matter because we need to be together. And I thought that was so, it's not just good development for Bo to see like where her character is going to end up possibly, but also it was really good development for the armorer. It, it kind of gave us more of a look into how she thinks because we always sort of get her, I don't want to say that she's cookie cutter in any way, but she's always kind of stuck to this one, you know, this is the way. And to see her kind of move outside of that and it's just it was really refreshing it was really cool to see her get more development and then for her to basically present Bo-Katan to the rest of the covert be like this is okay she is going to go and bring our people to us and we're going to go back to Mandalore and you know this is how it's going to be um I thought that was awesome and I'm super excited and I am really relieved as well that that's the direction it's going and I want to trust that it's like going there positively so yeah there was that really subtle moment where pause 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 you know looks over at din and din just nods like he's like yes i trust Bo, and and pause like now trust mando after how he rescued his son and he said all that stuff in the cave but that just like little subtle scene where he like looks over to Mando just to have that like reassurance that that he should trust this woman and then Mando saying like yes you can and you should I just thought that that was such a perfect little and I missed it the first time so I was really glad that I went back and watched it because it, it it's just I don't know the like familial aspect of everything is coming together and I keep thinking about who Bo will go and get <laughs> and it's making me so excited for the next episode and there's been rumors that fen rao is in it and if it's fen we all just had the same reaction <laughs> so excited because it's it's rumored to be owen wilson no not yeah owen <laughs> wow lightning mcqueen himself you heard it here first folks <laughs> Ciao. Uh, <laughs> no, what's his name? Isn't his name Kevin Owen and... McKid? Okay, He's Owen and Grey's Anatomy. Kevin McKid. <laughs> in real life, his name is Kevin. I I cannot cut that. That has to be in the final cut. 
patience with which you said it. The confidence. No, it's I've seen too many seasons of the of Grey's Anatomy with him. He solidified as Owen in my head. I'm so sorry. Kevin McKid is returning <laughs> as Ben Rao. I am and we could possibly also get Sabine. No, I, I was just like absorbing the fact that you said that because I have been rooting for Fenrao and I totally just didn't even think about that in the moment yesterday. But oh my God, I am so, I hope that it is him because I've wanted to see him in live action since there was like the rumors a while ago, like pretty long time ago. Um, I've missed him. I loved his character in Rebels and yeah I, now that makes me wonder about the end of the episode but any hoosies i was gonna say i was gonna bring up really quickly going back to the battle in um the city i loved that we got to see the tactics that the mandalorians use in battle um the what do you call it the cable that goes like and grabs their legs and everything and we got to see like their armor really holding up to taking a beating and that was really cool um, I really enjoyed the fact that there was that one Mandalorian <laughs> that without question totally believed the quaking monkey lizard in the tree <laughs> about the trap. <laughs> he just sees the monkey pointing and he's like, there's a trap. We got to get behind. We got to get to cover. I thought that was so cool. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to make that point because I, I needed it to be said. I The moment that happened in the episode, I was like, that's my guy. Those are my little guys. I love them. <laughs> I'm a quaky and monkey lizard lover, so you'd love Batu um, then. I yeah, I'm sure I would. <laughs> I I want to I want to go there. <laughs> I want to go to there. <laughs> I want to go to there. <laughs> to go to there. When I die, I want to become one of these. That's <laughs> a monkey lizard. <laughs> I always I think would, of your I, see. I of your TikTok, MJ. Where did what did you? You've used that audio for something. It's, it's the Lego minifig of Max Lebo. <laughs> I love that. I associate TikTok audios with people, and that one is definitely associated with you. Thank you. I'm honored. Oh Just to be associated with Max, Max Lebo. That's actually what MJ is short for. The M is for Max Lebo. Max Lebo, but with a J. The J is silent. <laughs> So, where do we think next episode will go? Do we think we'll see Fen Rao? What do we think? I don't know about Fen Rao. Okay. But I am thinking another one of my favorite actors, Giancarlo Esposito. We got (gasps) the Moth Gideon, another Moth Gideon name drop today. I, I can't. I really can't do it. I am a sucker for a Star Wars villain in a cape. It's my toxic trait, but someone's got to love him. And it's me. You were probably so excited about Director Krennic in The Bad Batch. <laughs> I, as soon as they showed his side profile, I screamed Ben Mendelsohn. <laughs> it looks just like him. They, the, the likeness is insane. They didn't have to say anything. I'd recognize that nose anywhere. <laughs> the nose. In, in his white, like when he was wearing his white, and I was just like, oh my God. But it made sense. Like I was like, nope. Hell yeah, it's it's Krennic. We think it'll be Moff Gideon next episode then? I'm manifesting. Okay, I'm manifesting for you too. I'm a big fan of villain enjoyer, so... <laughs> Do we think that he was rescued by Mandalorians? I don't know. It's throwing me off. I... It's throwing me off too. Okay, this is, 
this is my thought because Elia has been in she's been featured in several episodes and every single time Moth Gideon is brought up she's like sus like giving a look <laughs> she's all also... bombastic <laughs> side eye yeah <laughs> offensive so I side think... eye <laughs> I think she knows something about him I think she knows either like what happened or she knows something so I do agree I think we might get Moff Gideon in the next episode and I think we might potentially with the way that like one of those episodes kind of went off and we just had Elia and the doctor we might get like a this is what happened to Moff Gideon and like just have part of a whole episode just like showing like following Moff Gideon and like showing what happened and it fills in like that gap there where we're like we don't know what the heck and then we see who came and rescued him I don't know I don't think it was a Mandalorian but I will because one thing is that we've seen other Imperial characters having Beskar so we had, um, oh my gosh, her name is escaping me, but the magistrate, or I don't remember if that was her title, of the town that Ahsoka was trying to, mm-hmm. yes, she had a Beskar spear. So we've seen Imperials having Beskar implements. So it could be an Imperial remnant that has something like that, that attacked the ship. I'm just thinking of like all these connections and I, I don't know. I, I'm what do you just guys now realizing because you're bringing up we've seen Imperials with Beskar before. I mean, not necessarily Imperial, but on the side of Imperial from back from Rebels, the Saxon brothers, Gar and Tiber Saxon were Mandalorians and they worked for the Empire. So it'd be interesting if that was still going on. That would be fascinating. And then I know that this is not the empire and something completely different and i want just want to bring it up because it's andor but the bell tower the drum is beskar so yeah i do wonder how accessible or if it was like planted yeah i could see that's my thought well i had forgotten that the armorer melted down the spear so the moment i saw that metal piece in the wall I thought that it might have been some sort of weapon like that. And so I don't know. I don't know. It's it's so perplexing. What do you think? We know that Moff Gideon is a very smart, cunning, calculated kind of character. So it could very well be planted, especially if he's been in prison for a while and has had time to formulate a plan. We don't know how involved he is on his breakout. There's There could be moles, like much to think about. Yeah, I was thinking Elia is probably in contact with, like, like if that was the case that she might be in contact with him or someone who's close to him and knows the situation. So, which was why I thought that she did what she did to Dr. Pershing because he was in cohorts with Moff Gideon and she might have been like testing him to see if he would ever turn to help the New Republic and he was going to and so she's like well now I need to really I actually need to silence him at this point so she was like testing to see where his loyalties lie 
that's just kind of what I got from the situation. I could be wrong, but yeah, every time they bring up Ilya, Elia, Ilya, I have no idea. Elia, they Elia. say it, but <laughs> every time I watch it, it's midnight <laughs> and no thoughts. But I'm I'm excited to see where they go with her. I'm just really glad that she's getting more screen time because she had no name in one and two. Real so. ones remember nameless comms officer. Yeah. <laughs> the, the sexy evil lady. Okay, so do we have any final thoughts about the Mandalorian or shall we go into pain and angst? One last rumor about Moff Gideon. Okay. He apparently has a new outfit. If that's true, prepare to be sick of me. <laughs> prepare to be sick of me. Just block me now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for you. I will be searching your page if we do get a new outfit. If it doesn't have a cape, I have to unstand. (laughs) Then what's the point? That's actually what he told Jon Favreau his one condition was. He wasn't concerned with pay. He was concerned with if he got a cape or not. And I have to stand. Like, that's iconic (laughs) of him. I wonder if he watched Rogue One and was, like, inspired by Krennic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They'd be, they'd be besties. Or they'd be enemies because they're so alike in a way. Frenem- frenemies. frenemies. Or maybe it's like a coordinated outfit thing. Like, I'll wear my black cape today uh-huh. and you wear your white one and then you can wear your red one next week. And Yeah. And yeah, for sure. For, for, for Krennic, I feel like it's always the white one. <laughs> yeah. Moff Gideon maybe had like a Lando kind of yes. closet. <laughs> He's the Lando of the Empire. In fashion sense. So we can jump right into the Bad Batch then. Ooh, jump right into it? Oh. More like fall. <laughs> no, MJ. It's way too soon, MJ. How I cope. <laughs> With humor. Uh, so let's knock out the other elephant in the room. Although I do like the Lasat in the room. Let's knock out the Lasat in the room. <laughs> what did the Lasat ever do to me? What happened? And why are we so sad? Okay, I'll say it. Tech died. He drowned. (laughs) He drowned. Tech drowned. drowned. (laughs) Tech drowned. So Tech, RIP, he's dead, allegedly. I say allegedly Allegedly. for every death in Star Wars. Like, Jin and Cassian are allegedly dead. Like, I don't have to believe that. So Tech is allegedly dead. Okay, yeah. NJ, I'm looking at you. I want, I want you to know your You need to tell me they recovered his goggles, his fragile goggles, but didn't recover a body or his armor. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. So I'm outing myself here, but I did not watch it. So they find his goggles. Who finds his goggles? The Dr. Hemlock character. The oh, okay. doctor. And he throws it at Hunter's feet like an evil person. Yeah, it's it's kind of sick and twisted. That is sick and twisted. Yikes. He Doesn't he say something like, this was all we could find? Or like, this is all we could recover? Like, yes. there was nothing left. But like, that's a dirty that lie. So? Unless like, his body, I don't like, know. like, was uh, obliterated. <laughs> he dropped. No. He dropped. No, we're not going to say that. Someone um, put a snippet from Tarkin chapter four, which occurs on the same planet. And it's like a whole page describing the rocky terrain and how rocky and 
like awful the surface is i'm like oh that's why that's why i like poisonous i did see something that said don't read tarkin chapter four well i read it you just answered it (laughs) so yikes knowledge i don't even know what to say after that like he's dead I i have to take away the allegedly there's nothing well, left of Tech Bad Batch. Stop! <laughs> Why would you phrase it like that? I'm to so, me, of all people. <laughs> Listen, I'm known for living in delusion, but after that, I don't know, dude. I think he's gone so for we... good. I really no. do. I loved uh, Tech. Love. Take away the D. I, I uh, liked him. I lo- I was what I got up to the Zillow Beast episode, I think past I don't know. I got up to that episode. But I was focusing a lot on tech because of all the stuff that has been said about like how he's autistic and how he's just like great re- representation. And I really got that he was from it. And I know that a lot of people are sad because they did kill off like his character and after we've got like so much growth from him and like you were saying MJ like Fee was teaching him how to look up and so it is a very sad but then that also is war and sacrifice is that even like the people we love die and the people that do grow and show growth like don't Mm -hmm. always make it to the end and who work the hardest like I wouldn't I wouldn't say that tech works the hardest like I think it's a family effort but I he did do so much he was like the brains he was in the pilot yeah yes and the medic and the medic yeah okay so maybe he did do a little bit more than the rest (laughs) yeah I've been kind of empty for the past 36 hours like it's been so bad for me (laughs) I will say I think it was I think it was well done a lot of people were complaining about it but I think they're complaining about it solely because they're upset which I think you should channel your frustration out some other way than blaming the writers because plan 99 I mean we know who 99 99 was we knew someone was gonna have to make a sacrifice and I think um, it speaks volumes for Tech's character that he knew there was no other way and he was okay with it. And I mean, he really did teach Omega a lot. I mean, I think about my favorite scene in season two, which is when he's in the cave sitting with her explaining to him just because yes. I'm neurodivergent doesn't mean I don't experience feelings and I'm upset too. And um, I think his sacrifice will um, not only affect Omega a lot, but um also also she'll learn from that a lot and I think it's something she would carry with her for the rest of her life and I think it was important I don't think they just killed him off for no reason mm-hmm. I that can't I was I wanted to mention that cave yeah. scene farther in but that was probably my favorite scene so far I haven't finished the season but that like really like that just felt like a very adult conversation and my favorite thing about Omega this season is that I feel like they're really realizing that, and I, I, forgive me if this doesn't make sense, because sometimes I speak and it doesn't work. <laughs> like, the words just don't come out right. You're doing a great job so far. <laughs> Thank you. But o- Omega is what the Bad Batch 
couldn't be. So, like, they aged very rapidly. And Omega is aging at the regular speed, you know, that we age at. So, I feel like they're learning through her. And she's learning through them. Like, and it's a good balance. And I hope that I'm going the right way with this. But, like, that scene in the cave was a good description descriptor of that. Like, Omega is feeling things because, you know, she loved Echo. You know, that's her brother. And he left, kind of mostly without explanation and just, like, out of the blue. And Tech is so used to losing unexpectedly and, uh, you know, out in the field. And Omega has never experienced that. But through each other, they're kind of learning, like, well, I do have to process it. And it is something that I have to, that I can feel. And while I feel it differently, like, I feel like Tech saying that to her wasn't just saying that to her, but he was saying that to himself, too. Like, it was, like, a big moment of... That was how he was processing it as well. Exactly. So it was, like, we process things very differently. I think that she... Yeah, I think that she helped him process. Yes, I think so, too. Their relationship has stuck out to me a lot. Same with Hunter and Omega's. Like, it it was prominent in the first season, but... Mo called Hunter very Jango Fett coded, and I'm I'm seeing that a lot. <laughs> but um, I do love that. Like I love the little moments that we've been getting with Hunter and Omega, where you can just kind of see him like touch her shoulder or the like reassuringness, the fatherliness, the older brotherliness, whichever one. But yeah. It's so frustrating me to me to see people say Hunter didn't have a character this season or they ruined Hunter's character this season because I feel like, especially in the Plan 99 finale episode, we see that his motives have completely shifted from being a soldier to now being a dad. Mm-hmm. Like, he has is finally starting to let go with the we are not soldiers anymore our new path is protecting this kid because this kid is one of our own yeah yeah he realizes that like this is more important than what we're doing and I mean I know a lot of people are mad that they're not rebels that they're not fighting actively fighting against the empire but this show is like not necessarily a rebels show it's a family show Mm mm-hmm no, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I love to see them. I don't know if this makes any sense, but Hunter definitely has like the more paternal fatherly approach to Omega. And then I see Wrecker as really like a brother, like even almost, I don't want to say I, yeah, like a brother. And then Tech to me is also like an like our older brother or even like I don't want to just give labels to them as if they're all different parts like but he has more of an uncle vibe to me mm-hmm. like to Omega so like father uncle brother and that's not to like say that's you know but you know what I mean like they each none of have it's their lesser none of it's of lesser Wrecker isn't lesser yeah yeah brother. no they all have this like role 
in Omega's life that's mm-hmm. very they seem pretty different from each other but all important and so like when I think if I remember correctly on Pabu when Omega wanted to go hang out with um her friend she like looked to Hunter to be like can I go you know mm-hmm. so that's like a really fatherly thing and then she's had some heart to hearts with Tech and then with Racker, like he's always you know he's so supportive of her and protective and they have a lot of fun together like she can have fun like with Wrecker just being goofy and everything like that well as you know Hunter and Tech are a little bit more a little bit more serious so they like I said they each have this this role in Omega's life and I think that it's so sad that Tech like she won't have Tech anymore um yeah and I guess you could also say that losing Echo even though he didn't die like she lost him earlier on in the season so she was already like She'd already experienced a loss of some sort in, you know, a family. And, you know, we saw how excited she was to see Echo again. And then to lose Tech right after is just like, oh, it's so heart-wrenching. But it all, obviously, it all serves a purpose for these characters. So it's just hard to accept sometimes. Exactly. The suffering we have to endure. Yes. <laughs> the Bad Batch just keeps losing after losing. I mean, Crosshair Echo Tech, like, when will it end? Yeah. I I loved uh, Gunji. I think I'm saying yes. that right. G- Gunji's episode. That's when I really started seeing Hunter's, like, fatherly mm-hmm. per- personality come out. <laughs> he was so humble at one point. He was like, I mean, like, my Wookiee's not very good, but... Yeah, I think that he said his name was Gunji and then was like actively translating everything. <laughs> I was like, See, Tech's not the only smart one. I I love Hunter. I have a soft spot for him, but this scene there's a scene where Omega is trying to give Gunji the food and he's afraid of the clones. And Hunter, instead of being like upset, because I feel like you know. Anyways, but like Hunter was like, well, he's been through a lot. Like, he he doesn't understand. Like, he doesn't know. And I was like, that takes so much growth. Like, he's somebody, such a good leader. I, he's such, such a, a good, good leader. leader. He, I, XO, Hunter, Bad Batch, I love you. <laughs> My favorite line from that episode is when he is with the other Wookiee parents. I say other Wookiee parents, like Hunter's a Wookiee parent too, but (laughs) with the other parents. An honorary one. (laughs) An honorary Wookiee parent. With the other parents, and he's looking at Omega and Gunji by the tree, and he's like, they're just kids. That kills me. Oh my gosh. He was like, they're just kids, but they're not allowed to be. But they have to to grow up in this war. Their childhood's been taken from them. Oh my gosh. He's so wise. Like, oh, and he... <laughs> the word, and then and then you like the other gut punch there is that you know I, I don't want to get into this like infantilizing the clones, but they are also technically pretty young as well, mm-hmm. and they didn't have a childhood, so like there's that aspect as well, and yeah, especially that episode, I wa- rewatched that several times, and I love that. I know that we didn't get to see. Uh, 
how do I say this? It implied that they'd been to Kashyyyk before and they'd mm-hmm. had, they'd been with the Wookiees before. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, MJ, you might know this, but wasn't there supposed to be a arc with the Bad Batch in one of the Clone War seasons and that they were there? Like there's even, yes, it um, was, it was storyboard yeah. art of this, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this people... was kind of like they're like alluding. Mm-hmm. A lot of people um, back when season one wasn't out thought that the um, pilot episode would take place on Kashyyyk because they were going to use like the scrapped arc, but it, it never did. So I guess this yeah, was- Yeah, I would have thought that too. Getting to do Kashyyyk. Yeah, which I, I loved that. It kind of harkens back to, because I don't know that there was much inspiration pulled for the Bad Batch from like the Republic Commando stuff, but- there is a whole um, mission sequence with the commandos on Kashyyyk at the end of the war, which would have fit kind of in that sort of general, like, oh, the Bad Batch were on Kashyyyk kind of thing, like a special forces kind of deal. So mm-hmm. when I heard that, I was like, oh, that kind of reminds me that there, there, this is a precedent that's been set before, and they've kind of pulled from that, which I thought was kind of neat. But that whole episode was so beautiful, and it was so great to see Gunji again, and that, that he's alive and well. <laughs> I love this reoccurring theme in season two that, quote unquote, they're just kids because Mm -hmm. Gunji, Benny, and all of Benny's colleagues, um, the girl from Pabu. I mean, there's so many kids in the Bad Batch, even back to Hera in season one. Mm -hmm. It's crazy to see like this future generation of potential rebels and soldiers against the empire yeah, like i just got goosebumps because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we know and where like, hera ends i mean up. It, and we it know opens. where hera ends up i can't wait to see where the rest of them end up mm-hmm. well the whole series opens with kanan mm-hmm. yeah the whole series opened on kanan on a kid you know They're just kids so oh my heart I know. <laughs> I need that season three announcement at Star Wars Celebration right now. Like, they have I'm, to. I'm hoping for that too. I, I didn't watch it like well when it came out because I was invested in Mando and Daisy Jones in the six. But um, valid, valid. But I watched it and I I remembered how much I loved season one. Season one was so good, and season two, I'm excited to finish it, but. I am sad that we won't get tech in season three, so. But it's okay. I'm in denial. Uh, so. <laughs> he lives on in our hearts forever. He'll, okay, he'll always be. He'll always be. He'll always be in our hearts. <laughs> so this this pod is like heavily inspired and was started because of our love for Rogue One and Andor. And we are forgetting like a huge cameo for the Rogue One girlies, we got two. <laughs> but what was M- MJ? <laughs> we got two. I'm we got... losing it. I'm losing it. <laughs> we got Mr. Saw Guerrera himself, Jin Erso's dad, King of the Rebellion, and then we got Director Krennic. <laughs> Director Orson <laughs> Callan Krennic. Put some respect on that name. His name is okay. Pause. His middle name is Callan. Callan with a I, C. I feel like a fake fan. I'm like, I'm not over this. Where is CEO, this information? It's in Catalan. CEO. It's on Wikipedia. I've just always known it. Like I've, I've, I don't know why I've always liked him. 
this is like how Galen Erso's name, middle name, is. It, it's George Lucas's middle name or son's name? Walden. Galen Walden Erso. Erso. <laughs> got nothing on Callan. Callan's a great name. That's true. I think I. It's been a while since I've read my favorite non-Thrawn canon book, Catalyst, but I'm pretty sure that his middle name's from Catalyst. Yeah. I, I I loved that book. It was really good. I it, read that book in a day, like it was like a I think I did bit. too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I ate it. it up like it was candy. <laughs> I started it and I had to put it down for some reason, and then when I picked it back up again, I finished it in a day. And yeah, it was so good. It's so funny to me. I see people all the time say that they have a hard time getting into James Luceno's novels, like Tarkin and catalyst and all of his stuff because it's so like technical writing and I'm just like what do you mean I was like giggling and kicking my feet reading this like yeah like when uh what was it oh there was like a a spat between I think it was Galen and one of the other scientists or something and Mm -hmm. like Lyra had to like hold him somebody had to hold him somebody had to hold somebody back and it It was so like like a sitcom there's a yeah scene, there's a scene where krennic stalks lyra and jane yeah jen in a park like he just yeah. shows up and is like stop messing with galen and my pride <laughs> what are you doing in a children's park like did you go in full uniform like he's like stop being a good wife to your husband it's exactly. like that, like the meme that's like consensual sex is there someone you forgot to ask (laughs) that but it's Lyra Krennic and Galen oh no is there someone you forgot to ask (laughs) no literally he would like he conspired to like get her (laughs) off the planet and go do her own thing so that he could have uh Galen like (laughs) Yeah, he was a whole he was a whole mess. I think though my favorite that. part like all the stuff with <laughs> I think my favorite part though in that book since we're on the topic of Krennic it my favorite there was topic. so much love. <laughs> my favorite part though was when he goes to the Death Star construction site and the Geonosians have been working on it and then uh Poggle is like he's like there's a there's a riot or there's fighting between the Geonosians on the construction site and they're killing each other and he's like pa- he gets Poggle on the line he's like Poggle what the hell's going on and Poggle's like see ya and just dips and like hyperspace is out of there like he's like bye and he just leaves Krennic with this bug guts all throughout the construction site of what Death Star. I wouldn't give for a spin-off series of Krennic on Geonosis for mm-hmm. 10 years. Like sitcom style. Like <laughs> let it be filmed like The Office. With like, Ben Mendelssohn. <laughs> yes, it, was it, was, it was so funny. He's just like, mm, that's great. Sorry about that. Bye. Can't do anything. You just Poggle just yeets out of there. And Krennic's just like, uh. And then you know he has to for a decade i wonder if he picked up any Notion. like do you think he can like do the clicking like the... oh 100 
I, I like, think I think it haunts him. I think if he hears anything like he it, dreams of Jenna. <laughs> he wakes up in a cold sweat, hearing this like clickety clack. <laughs> He's he hears like anything like it. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like always looking over his yeah. shoulder for Poggle the Lesser. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like some Imperials boots have like the heels, so like if if something clicks a certain way, he's like, <laughs> he's, like... <laughs> he he's triggered. <laughs> he like, yeah. Oh, why wasn't man. this in Bad Badge? This is the credit content we want. Exactly. I mean. Moving from silliness, <laughs> he looked exactly like Ben Mendelsohn. It was crazy. I was like, there's, I wonder if they used, I wonder, because I know that he was supposed to be in Rebels, and there was I'm concept I'm so glad art. he wasn't. He would yes. have been round. He would not have looked like Ben. <laughs> he would have been not have been good. <laughs> round chronic. <laughs> no, but it was so good. But I do wonder if they, like, used any, like, animated pre-renders. I did um, look at the concept art because I am that level of crazy, <laughs> but um, it, it, it did look very similar. I'm sure they got some of the concept art from Rebels, but I feel like, <laughs> why am I going to talk about Ben Mendelsohn's cheekbones now? But I feel like they really nailed <laughs> they got the it. If it looks like it can cut through paper, then it's Ben Mendelsohn's cheekbones. Somebody said that they probably like grabbed stuff like recorded stuff from rogue one and used it in the bad batch because if they would have put ben mendelson behind a mic <laughs> there would have been way more lines <laughs> that is so funny i saw my friend on twitter shout out to judy she said um <laughs> he definitely sent like a, a phone memo voice note and like that was it like his three lines <laughs> that would have been i would do anything to see that that man loves playing chronic I, I love that him playing me... Krennic. He's my favorite Star Wars actor, in case you couldn't tell by mm-hmm. my. He is so funny. He really the He's the like so funny. The Rogue One press tour with him is fucking crazy. He's like, unhinged. He's a crackhead. He unhinged. <laughs> He's amazing. Like, what was the what was the song that he was like playing? Frozen. Uh, he said he was playing like. Some... He would sing Frozen. Yes. Michael Jackson. <laughs> Yeah, he Weirdo. said he was uh singing. He's like, "Do you want to be my friend?" or so, like something to uh he like changed the lyrics. I thought to and he's singing it to Mads. Like nothing <laughs> will. Like, Do you want to build a snowman? Nothing <laughs> to will Mads ever make me laugh harder than Ben Mendelsohn saying, "Does Rogue One die?" And then there's just like a level of silence after that, and Riz Ahmed just starts cackling, and he and Ben Mendelsohn like repeats it. He's like, "Does Rogue One <laughs> die?" And Riz Ahmed was like, "Just watch the movie." Oh, uh, they're if he's not they're in Andor. If he's not in Andor, like, what? Why have I been watching it this long? <laughs> I really hope that he is. I have a prediction that that at that Lucasfilm showcase panel, it'll be Ben Mendelsohn, Mads Mikkelsen, and Alan Tudyk. That'll be like Can the you, big like, three. Send Ben Mendo, my love. <laughs> I didn't even get into the lottery. I well, was in the vibes, like the vibes. Like I'll send vibes. them out. Like I'll be like. You yes, can feel please. them. Well, I am meeting Mad, so I'll just be like, I'm so freaking excited to see you back. 
Palin. You just need to serenade him like Ben Mendelsohn would. I'll sing to him, Frozen. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that like read pop employees will have to like yank me away <laughs> <laughs> with the little the little uh you know hooked hook pull oh, out the there hook. with the hook get 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 out of there. At least Walk he'll remember people. you. You'll be so true. I'll like haunt him in his. <laughs> but you'll be Wait. the equivalent of Gene Ocean clicking to credit. <laughs> you need to give well, Galen something like that. Hold on, are you gonna be? Are you gonna cosplay as Jin when you meet him? Yes, I was thinking about it. it yes, so do it. Cute. And I do I have do it. I do have a little Death Star plan, so I was gonna like hold it. Yeah. If he does not call you Stardust. I will sue him. <laughs> if Matt Mickelson calls me Stardust, I will be seen dead at 11 and like the news channel. In your tech era. <laughs> and my Galen Urso and Jen Urso and Cassian and... And <laughs> director Orson Callen Krennic. Um, <laughs> I can't believe this. <laughs> I'm so excited. But I'm also not. Like my knees are shaking and my like... <laughs> my loins are quaking. <laughs> I just was thinking of that succession meme. <laughs> Every time I see him, my loins quake. <laughs> was that Tom Greg? Uh, yes! <laughs> of course it was. Any final closing thoughts about Director Krennic? Because I know we can all talk about him for eight plus hours. I love him. <laughs> I saw somebody say... <laughs> I saw somebody say they were surprised he was like so quiet. But, like, he was just probably so, he was just waiting his turn. He's just, like, sitting there, like, when is it going to be my turn to talk about the Death Star? <laughs> like, shut up about thoughts. the clones. Yeah, shut up about the clones. I want to talk. You know, he's like, I'm yeah. going to be responsible for the death of millions <laughs> of people. When can I talk next? <laughs> the fact, though, that, like, Krennic is just like sitting there with Tark. I but like you were saying earlier, I want like a whole like season of like the office style between Krennic and Tarkin and all that because I'm so, I want to see right more. Here. <laughs> right I, I have right a, here. Exactly. I have a prediction though that like hopefully we'll see Krennic in a situation like that in Andor because we get to see like high like imperial officials in Andor like we did last season meeting well, together. Yeah. So. Yeah, it would be really cool to see that. I want so badly to see, and I don't know if Tony will like move on from this, but if he doesn't, I want so badly to see Krennic bring up the Narkina prison. Like, I wish that we could have seen his like mental like breakdown over it. Like, it would have been so raw and dirty and. Yeah. I've been so upset. Ben Mendelssohn is so good at playing a adult child. Because he is one. He is an adult child. <laughs> he is. It's yeah. The it's the method acting. Method acting. He thinks he's Jeremy Strong. <laughs> to ra- that's wrapping up season three. We got Director Krennic and Death Drowning. Tech Drowning. So, what do we have predictions for for the next season? It ended on a downbeat, for sure. It did. Um, my prediction for next season is definitely development on Crosshair and Omega's relationship. I need to see Crosshair's reaction to Omega telling him that Tech died trying to save him. Oh my god. Yeah. 
because crosshair he, all this season sorry i'm sorry for cutting you off but i i'm very passionate about crosshair just give me like one little sentence okay <laughs> um we have seen repeatedly crosshair in the face of death and he doesn't really care it's kind of it might be a little bit of a stretch to say he's suicidal but he definitely is kind of take it or leave it um so he feels kind of like worthless so that information his brother like dying for him is really gonna like mess him up and change his perspective on things that's gonna be intense yeah and I think that he is going to be upset that because his his thing was that he wanted to warn them that they need to keep Omega safe and the exact op I mean not to say that the exact opposite happened uh, like they didn't I mean obviously she got captured but he meant for them to he was warning them and instead of them taking the warning they just they were like well let's save him which he probably didn't expect and obviously that wasn't his intention for them to do that and so like you're saying like that's gonna mess him up to know that like one of his brothers died for him even though after everything he did to them and like after everything that went down like they were still willing to be his brothers which was like a big thing at the end of season one that like he thought that they like weren't anymore and to know that tech died for him was like oh so heartbreaking tech was the only one who understood where he was coming from really i do love that headcanon that they're twins yeah i love that headcanon that's so special is that now i'm extra sad (laughs) (laughs) no because like that whole thing where you lose your twin Mm -hmm. like that that like trope the the lost twin trope or wow that's sad oh yeah the bad batch can never reunite now not fully not truly MJ, it hurts. Come on the freaking show and do say that. I can talk about Ben Mendelsohn again if you want. We can get the vibes going. <laughs> do we? Do we? Do, do we think that Chronicle will be in season three, or do we think it'll? It was just like a teeny tiny little sprinkle little of crumb. Yeah, little little treat. Little treat. Like here, MJ. So you don't off yourself. Like oh watching this episode. Here's oh some little Ben Mendelsohn crumbs. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh maybe it's just a little tease for Andor. Who knows? Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. I do I feel so like this is all leading into something. Everything's connecting. I feel like Pepe Sylvia. Like I'm like, this is here and this is happening here and this is here. And mm-hmm. season one of the Bad Batch, we got the freaking mention of uh of the thing that War Mantle. Yes. War Mantle, yes. Mark Omega. Jin says it all. And then Krennic is here, and then Saw Saw is here, so it's like... We love Saw, we stand Saw, we, Saw Gerrera can do no wrong. This is a safe place for Saw Gerrera stands, and we won't take any Saw Gerrera hate. So, blame Tech's death on what actually happened and not Saw Gerrera. I feel you. like blaming Tech's death on someone else completely undermines the fact that it was his choice and his self-sacrifice. But You're so right. That's just my opinion. What mm-hmm. do I know? No, exactly. No, I agree. You know, you're exactly right. <laughs> the fact that Saw, I love that he was there because it shows that I know a lot of people are, are concerned that like people are gonna, and it has happened where people like villainize Saw because he's in a situation where, you know, things go can go south. But 
I thought I think it's so interesting to see that he was there actively fighting the empire in that situation. Like he was so active and if he had succeeded in that plan, you know, we would have, you know, other like Krennic and Tarkin, the rest of them might have died. And like, that would have been a big blow to the empire. So he was like doing something worthwhile. And also how was he supposed to know that the Bad Batch were going to be there? And how was the Bad Batch supposed to know that Saw was going to be there? Like, it just, exactly. I don't know. I like so, those I was... things of interconnectedness in the universe. Like, while we're following this, what's happening elsewhere? Like, this is going on. Like, and or going on while Rebel Season 1 is going on. I like to know what all is happening. Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff. And yeah, I like seeing sure. it connect sometimes. Yes, I, I agree. I, well... We were talking about this last episode, but while Order 66 was going on, when we were seeing Grogu go through it, like, my brain just automatically is like, okay, I know where Cal is. I know where Kanan is. I know where, you know, Ayla is. It's crazy that we, like, now have so many reference points. And during Rebels Season 1, I'm like, okay, well, now I know where Cassian is. And now I know, like, what's happening in the prison and like the eye is going on and then like the ghost crew is here and i wonder if they've like found out about it and they've been inspired so it's like oh god everything really is connected this galaxy is way smaller than we thought i cannot wait for that timelines book to come out and just blow all of our minds well Yeah. yeah because there was that point about how the is it the p-o-r-d that was in put into place where it gave the ISB agents more power because of what happened on Aldani makes sense because we saw Callus in a really like a position of power on Lothal like right after like right at that time so it would be like okay this makes sense why Callus has such power in that situation because (laughs) because of Cassian (laughs) but like is that crazy yeah, it's it's pretty wild. I want to re rewatch Rebels. The impact that Gerizeb had in 29 seconds is insane. I'm literally already like, I need to watch Rebels again. I need to. It just has to happen. Like Ahsoka's coming out. Yeah. Gerizeb Meanwhile, I'm it. like, I need to reread Catalyst, even though it will like <laughs> give me no new information, but it's fine. It's okay. Part of me is also like maybe to wait to watch Rebels after Andor's done, but the Andor drought is so horrible and dry, and I'm in agony. I need something. I can't wait to see Fulcrum stuff in Andor. I can't wait. Uh, do I trust Tony Gilroy that he'll do that? I trust Tony Gilroy <laughs> with my life. I, I trust him with Ben Mendelsohn. That's I how much I trust him. I don't trust him with Bixen Brasso, but I trust him with everybody else. He, I've got like my eye on him. Your eyeball bounty yeah. on him. But my eyeball bounty on him. That's how many eyes. Like I'm I'm truly like like if he touches them, he won't hear the end of it. Like I'll make best excited. I'll I'll literally haunt that man. I'll die and I'll haunt him. And I'll do it with Bix and Brasso if he kills them. And that warning <laughs> This is a warning, Tony Gilroy, that I'll haunt you when you die when I die. I feel like that's the perfect like point to end the podcast on oh definitely is definitely listening we need to threaten him <laughs> we usually always end it on like a like a never like a solid bye but we're just like giggle giggle see you next time <laughs> giggle, Tony giggle. Gilroy, i'm in your walls <laughs> stay tuned for next week's episode <laughs> 
In Uh, your walls, under your bed. (laughs) Anywhere. On that note, NJ, where can we find you? (laughs) We, I'm going to plug myself again. We can find me on Instagram. I don't post there. Tumblr, I don't post there. TikTok, <laughs> I sometimes post there. Twitter, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Chimera <laughs> underscore chat. Chimera, sound it out. I mean, come on. I will link those both when we post this on Twitter and in the description on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But where can we find you, Lindsay? Linz? Lindsay? Lindsay? <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find me at A Cosmic Love on Twitter and at Rebel Risen on instagram and you can find me sabi at anderisms on both twitter and instagram but you'll find me more on twitter and you can find our pod on twitter at stardust records without the o so stardust records but pronounced records and we'll see you next week for another episode of stardust records bye